Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. Today we get to celebrate uh, Resurrection Sunday, a really glorious aspect of our Christian faith, probably one of the key foundations of our Christian faith. So I'm glad you've been able to join with us today. We've got a bit of an Easter exodus, so we've had a few families away. We've got a few new ones too, which is fantastic. We love to have our doors welcome for anybody to come in so we can uh, share about Christ and uh, his glorious good news of salvation and transformation. I want to say a big thank you too for Sean. Uh, last week, Sean was one of the key organisers for our Queen's Gardens gathering last Sunday. We had a good stack of people there and uh, the Lord blessed us with a wonderful, beautiful sunny day. But I want to say thanks to Sean for doing a lot of organising behind the scenes. So thanks Sean for doing that and everybody else who volunteered and did all that as well. There was a whole bunch of you doing that. So great opportunity for us to sort of, as it were, take down the walls of the church and be in the gardens there and uh, let the people see, hey, we're not that bad of people actually, we're okay. We pass. Uh, today, um, we have been going through the book of Galatians over the past couple of months, so um, this weekend we're going to just have more of a focus on Good Friday, the cross, and today, Resurrection Sunday. So we will get back to the book of Galatians uh, next week, but today we're going to come from uh, First Peter. Firstly, to help set the scene here, um, hope, hope is a powerful thing. In the desperate situations of life, when all looks dark and bleak, We need something to enable us to look up and push forward in hope. That's what we need. We need hope. Uh, Joni Erickson Tata, some of you will be familiar with that name, had a diving accident at the age of 17. She dived into a lake and hit a sandbar with her head and became a quadriplegic from that accident. It took months for her to come to terms with that condition initially because she was shattered by that, as you would be. Now, some 50-plus years later, she still struggles with quadriplegia, but she hangs on to a glorious hope in Christ. Here's a quote that Joni Erickson says here. It talks about hope, and Joe, you can bring that up for us. The best we can hope for in this life is a not-whole peak at the shining realities ahead, yet a glimpse is enough. It's enough to convince our hearts that whatever sufferings and sorrow currently assail us aren't worthy of comparison to that which waits over the horizon. Now she speaks that from a really true perspective of suffering in life, but she says the best we can hope for is a glimpse, a not whole peek into the shining realities ahead. So we're going to think about that today as we think about resurrection hope. Resurrection hope and the hope it speaks into our hearts and lives. So if you've got your Bibles, please go to First Peter chapter 1 and we are going to read... Verses 3 to 9, as we uh, see Peter the Apostle uh, open that up for us. Starting at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, 
may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Father, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you for inspiring the Apostle Peter to write this to these exile believers here in the Roman world of that day. What powerful truth you've just opened up with there. We ask and pray, please open our hearts up today to see that, to see this living hope that we receive from Christ through his resurrection today. And that would build within us a reservoir of strength and hope to carry on in this world through the trials we face. Father, we ask that now. We pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Okay, Resurrection Sunday is a powerful demonstration of God's glory and also a powerful historical event as well, designed to fill our reservoir of strength to help us to carry on in this world. If you ever watch any apologetic debates where people may debate about the gospel, debate about Christianity, uh, they'll often get stumped on the event of the resurrection. It's actually, it changes everything. If, if the resurrection is true, it ultimately changes everything. And to acknowledge that the resurrection is true, it must mean that everything we know about this world changes as well. That's how significant the resurrection event is. And this true experience of the resurrection that the apostles had, Peter the Apostle who wrote this letter as well, radically altered their lives forever. They were changed people when they met the resurrected Jesus. They were never the same again, spending time with him after he, Jesus, had risen from the grave. What they did with their lives from that point onwards, after seeing Jesus rise, it was totally centred around this redeeming message of the gospel. They went to any lengths even to death for most of the apostles. Tradition tells us that 11 of them were martyred for their faith, purely standing on this fact alone that they met the risen Jesus Christ. It radically altered their lives. Here, Peter the Apostle again speaks of the resurrection in this letter to the disciples of Jesus, scattered around the Roman parts of that world in that day. And the context here for the, uh, the background of this letter to First Peter is that the Christians are going through various persecutions, various trials, various struggles. Peter actually refers to them there, if you go back to verse 1, he calls them exiles. In other words, they're like foreigners travelling through a strange land. In a sense, they don't really fit into this world because of the way they're being particularly treated at that time. So Peter's writing to them to give them hope and strength during these trials that they face at that particular time. And here's where we're going to head today. It's this. The resurrection of Jesus assures us within of an invincible living hope of salvation, even though it's tested by trials, it will only grow stronger. That's what the resurrection is going to speak of to us today as we think about what Peter's writing here in this passage for us. Okay, Peter starts off here with this sort of wonderful offering of praise here to the works of God's mercy towards us. He says we've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. Have a look in verse 3. That's what he says, blessed be the God and Father. He's actually opening it with worship and praise for who God is and what he's done for us. 
Uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, what has he done? He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What a glorious way to start this, to build these people up in hope. Think about that, Peter's saying. And as we think about that, I want us to think about two things. Firstly here, born again to a living hope, and then through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What is this hope? What is this hope here, Peter? Well, we can see it in verses 4 and 5, verse 4. This hope is eternal life with Jesus in heaven. That's what it is. It's an inheritance. This hope is a glorious, eternal hope. And Peter uses three words there to describe it for us. Imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. What is this hope? This hope is a future world created by God for us to revel in his glory forever. How does it look? It's a world that will never wear out or never break down. It's imperishable. It won't die. It won't stop. It's not perishing. It's not breaking down. It's imperishable. It's a world that'll have no trace of evil. It's a world that's undefiled. This new world that God's creating won't need armies, won't need police, it won't need security forces, you won't need to go through a security checkpoint at the airport where they do a frisk search on you sometimes, because there'll be no evil in that world. It's a world that'll only know love and joy and peace, never ending, not just for a period of time. It's a world also that will never get bored in. It'll never lose its shine. Why? Because it's a world that is unfading. The world will, this world will always be a bright and dazzling display of God's glory, delighting our hearts increasingly, moment after moment, and even after 10 million years, it'll still be delighting our hearts in an increasingly way because the infinite God will keep unfolding himself before us. It's unfading. This is the hope that we're called to. Paul calls it, I'm sorry, Paul, Peter. Peter, we did a bit of Paul on Galatians the other week. Peter calls it a living hope here. A living hope. This imperishable, undefiled and unfading hope. How do we understand the word hope though when Peter uses that word? How do we think about hope? I think sometimes if we use the word hope in our context, it is like a future outcome I'd like to see. It could be this, I hope next Saturday when I go camping, it's not raining. So it's something in the future, it's next Saturday, and what is my hope? It's a good expectation that it won't be raining. But unfortunately, when we use the word hope like that, I have no control of the outcome or the events. I can get on the bomb app and see what's going to happen over the next seven days, but I can't control the clouds and that. So it's a bit more of a wishful thought when we think of that. I hope it's not raining next Saturday when I go camping. But we have no confidence in there in controlling the outcome of that hope. But very different, though, when it comes to the biblical understanding of what the word hope means here, and particularly the way Peter uses it here. It is way more than just a wishful thought. Biblical hope, in the sense of the word here, is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. And the key word there is confident. Confident. Not just maybe, I hope so, I wish it might be. It's a confident hope. 
Our living hope here is in an imperishable, undefiled and unfading eternal inheritance that awaits us in heaven, confidently. What gives this living hope then the confidence for us that we can believe confidently in that? Well, the confidence of this living hope is in the person who stands behind the promise of this new world, which is the the hope, the living hope. Who's that person? I'm glad you asked. Well, we see him in verse 5. What does he say there? What does Peter say? Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, that's the hope, ready to be revealed in the last time. That's the full and final salvation. It's God and his power. And what's God's power? It is unlimited. We call it omnipotent. It's all-powerful. Who, Where we are being kept and guarded by his power for that salvation, for us, a full and final salvation. We're saved now, but we haven't fully experienced what that salvation would look like. That is in the future, and we will fully experience that salvation then. God... That is the confidence of this living hope we have. It's not in me and it's not in you and it's not in anybody else we might possibly know. It's in God. That's the confidence we have in this hope. And that's the confidence that Peter's talking about here as well. It's no wishful thought. It's no maybe or could be. It's God for who it's impossible for him to lie. He has promised it. No one can stop him. It will happen. He's God. He stands behind that. That's the living hope here. And that's the confidence. The other thing to think about as we think about this living hope here is to look at the resurrection of Jesus because Peter links this living hope here through the resurrection of Jesus. It is the resurrection of Jesus that makes it possible for us to receive this confident hope. Not anything I can do or possibly ever do, it's through what Jesus has done for me. So why is it? Why is it that the resurrection of Jesus gives us this confident hope that we can bank our lives upon? Well, the resurrection of Jesus tells us something super important about who he is and what's been done on our behalf, and it comes through him. What have we just remembered two days or three days earlier? Good Friday. What is Good Friday all about? It's about Jesus going to the cross to satisfy God's holiness and justice that sin must be dealt with. We spoke about that on Friday. God would not remain holy and just if he left sin undealt with. God cannot just pick up the rug here and just sweep our sins under the rug and then just put it back down again and just do that. God would not remain holy and just if he did that. God, to remain infinitely holy and infinitely just, had to deal with sin in the right way. And that was to meet out its penalty of death to crush sin once and for all. How did he do that? He did it upon his only son. Jesus dies on our behalf, and Isaiah says he was crushed for our iniquities. We looked at it on Friday. Three days later, today, Jesus rises again from the grave just as he said he would, and he told his disciples that three times at least we know of in the Bible. But they never got any of those times. Didn't understand what he was talking about. They do now, but they didn't then. But he told them three times it's going to happen. Here's what the resurrection means then. He dies and he rises three days later. Here's what it means. The resurrection is the divine approval, God's approval, the divine approval of Jesus' full and complete payment 
for our debt of sin, paid for at the cross. Our sin, not swept under the carpet, was justly dealt with by God on Jesus. So the resurrection then becomes this divine approval of that payment. Jesus, being perfect, had no sin of his own. So therefore death could not hold him down personally. He paid sin's penalty of death on our behalf, so he did die. But the fact that he had no sin of his own, death could not hold him down. And he burst those bonds of death and did that on our behalf as well. So those who are trusting in Jesus, for those who are acknowledging him as Lord and Saviour and following him as their Lord and Saviour, we are united to him. When we say we are in Christ, when we think, when we use that language, we're saying we are united in Christ, so we are united to him, so that we too, united with him, will have that confident assurance that just as he rose from the grave and got that divine approval for his perfect righteousness, that we too will be uh, rise from the grave as well because we are united to him. That's what the resurrection means. United to him in his death and united to him in the resurrection. So the resurrection of Jesus, again, is God's divine approval of his payment for our sin. And it's our confident assurance, not a wishful thought, It's not a maybe, it's a confident assurance united to him that we will rise like him as well. So, as Peter says, it's through Jesus' resurrection that we have this living, confident and certain hope of an eternal inheritance because of what Christ has done and because of what he's achieved. It's ours. It's ours. So what does Peter do here initially? He builds their hope. He builds their hope in the promises of God that come through Jesus' resurrection on our behalf. He's building their hope. Let's remember, where is Peter's audience? Where are the people that Peter is writing to? Scattered around these various parts of the Roman world. But we also understand that they're in tough times. They're in difficult times. So what's happening is their hope is being tested. This this assurance is being tested at this particular time. Have a look here in verse 6. Peter's saying, in this you rejoice. So what are they rejoicing in? In the eternal hope, in the great and glorious promise of Christ. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So we are rejoicing in the promise of heaven, the future eternal hope, though at the moment it's not heaven fully for us. It's not fully complete. It's not fully made available to us at this point. You are grieved, Peter says, by various trials at the present. And the word trials here doesn't necessarily mean only persecution for your faith, although they're going through that. But the word, the word that Peter uses here actually covers a whole range of challenges of life that we would face in this world. It could be something like a sickness or an injury that you've got or you have to face. It could be a spiteful and bitter family relationship that you now have to deal with. That's a trial. It could be an unexpected disruption to your plans and dreams and agenda for life. It could be that. Something's come and interrupted that agenda. All of those things, all of those things are various trials of our faith. The various testings we go through, and these tests or trials will sometimes drain our hope, push against our hope. 
but it also could be a space sometimes where you're called to make a stand for your faith as well in Jesus. In some places that will take place. You'll be required to uphold certain beliefs if you go to certain workplaces, teach some things or comply with some behaviours or recognise some certain days which actually push against our gospel beliefs. And there your naming yourself as a follower of Jesus is on the line. It could be that. It could be that type of trial as well. All of those types of trials will test and drain our hope. But Peter here tells us what's happening in these trials. He says here these trials are like refinings. They're like refinings that God allows into our life. You heard me correctly then. That God allows into our life to purify and strengthen this living hope. Have a look in verse 7. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, so he's already said in verse 6, you've been grieved by various trials, verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, so your faith is more precious than gold, gold's pretty precious today, but our faith is more precious than that. This gold perishes though it is tested by fire, that your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's probably a whole sermon on that there, but we're not going to, I'm just going to touch on it briefly today. What does God do? He does this. God ordains trials to come into our lives because this is where we grow in him and this is where our faith or our hope becomes deeper and stronger in him. Think about this. Think about when you're going through the good times of life. Everything's sort of rolling along and hey, the agenda's just falling into place and work's good and you've got a good holiday plan and life just seems, and health is good. They're not generally the times where you grow in the gospel when things are just sort of rolling along and everything's just falling into place. When good times are here, we can easily sort of fall into cruise mode. It just happens and we just follow along and it's all going well. It's great. Think about, though, when you go through the hard times of life, the difficult times of life, when you've been up against some really challenging stuff. If you think back to that, this is what you'll see, if you you sort of use the benefit of hindsight here, you'll see that God has grown within you through those hard times, through those challenging trials, through all sorts of difficulties. God has grown within you some spiritual stamina, some spiritual resilience, to be able to stand up against these trials and to overcome them in him. God in his infinite wisdom chooses the perfect circumstances of difficulty, not ease, the perfect circumstances of difficulty, as it were, to wean us off this world and to draw us deeper into him. He knows exactly what to do with us how to deepen this hope, how to grow us at this time. What he does, he shows us just how fragile this world is and that we can't ultimately build our lives in this world because the foundations of this world are continually crumbling and they were never designed to hold us up for eternity. Only God can do that. And he takes these difficult times and he refines us And he grows our hope and our faith deeper in him. Resurrection hope will be tested. And this testing will be for our eternal good. When Jesus is revealed on that last day, 
on that last day, our tested, our purified faith that is more precious than gold, it says there, will be praised and honoured by Christ as we've persevered through him. Won't that be glorious? Jesus will actually praise us and honour us because of our perseverance in and through him, through those trials as we've grown deeper in him. A note here that Peter wants to actually help these people see as well through hanging on to this hope through difficult times is it's joyful. It's joyful. It's not a dour, lonely and sad journey of life all the time. All the time. There will be seasons. There will be seasons when it is somewhat sad and somewhat lonely. But the Lord remarkably promises joy clinging onto this hope during the sadness. The gospel turns everything upside down in that sense. Paul says, uh, suffering but always rejoicing, or sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Have a look in verse 8. We see here that this strength is, uh, this faith is strengthened, or this hope is strengthened by the Holy Spirit who builds and grows joy. We don't see him, yet we love him. Though we don't see him, we believe in and rejoice with joy that's inexpressible. Sometimes that's what happens when the Spirit works within you the truths of the gospel. It's like you've got this joy, but you can't, I've got no words to express this feeling. But I feel elated, I feel joyful, I feel even in the middle of these trials and tribulations that I might be going through, I have this joy that it's inexpressible. It's what I know. It's not dictated to by my circumstances. It's what I know about Christ. It's what I know about the future. This is a fruit that the Holy Spirit grows in us through a confident resurrection hope. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, because of the eternal inheritance promised by God the Father to me, and because it's received by faith alone as an assurance of hope, that joy grows within me as I contemplate that, as I think on that. It's imperishable, it's undefiled, it's unfading. This is what Peter's doing here. In the challenge, it's joyful to think about these things. When we face these tests that, uh, that purify our faith, we hold in our mind at the same time here this confident hope of resurrection. And with all that happening, with all the circumstances that are going crazy at the time, the Holy Spirit, as it were, produces this joy as we think about the eternal truths that helps us, as it were, to rise above our current circumstances with a feeling of joy. The resurrection can't, hope can't be lost. It can't be crushed. And it can't be stolen from us. Because it's promised in the finished work of Jesus and there is no power anywhere that can undo what Jesus has done. No one can reverse what he's achieved for us. And we hold these things in our mind, it produces joy. And Peter then wraps up here in verse 9 with this outcome of faith. He says here, obtaining the outcome of your faith. So you've got these promises, you've been through these trials, and here's the outcome of your faith. Here's the end of the day, the salvation of your souls. The resurrection of Jesus Christ assures us of this full and final salvation of our souls. Everything may turn to custard in this life. Everything may go pear-shaped in this life. 
many of our dreams and aspirations may never be totally fulfilled in this life. But through the resurrection of Jesus, we've obtained the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. This is the priceless blessing here of the resurrection that comes from Jesus. If I lose everything else, I haven't lost this. It's my salvation. Hope is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. Hope enables us to get out of bed each day. Hope enables us to face another day or to face another challenge. As I was reading about hope this week, I was reading this bit from John Piper, and he says this, he likened hope to be a reservoir of strength for us. It's like this bucket full or this reservoir full of strength when we have hope growing in our lives. Stuff happens, doesn't it, in life? Stuff happens. People get sick. Mothers have miscarriages. Our career plans can be shattered. Businesses can go broke. Relationships can turn nasty on us. People can die unexpectedly. Things happen. And when any of those things happen, what it does, it actually takes a whack at our hope, doesn't it? When that comes along, it's just like it's a whack. It just hits us. It takes a hit on our future expectations. We had this all sort of planned out. We had this sort of, you know, all in a line. But it's like this thing comes along and it just goes whack. And it just takes this massive hit on our hope. And we walk away feeling a bit defeated and deflated. I just wasn't planning it to go that way. Every time that happens, it's like someone is hitting the side of our bucket full of hope that we carry around with us. And when you hit the side of a bucket full of hope, what happens? It sort of spills out and you lose some. And it takes that bit of hope away and it sort of spills out and we just feel weakened. And I think, how am I going to face the next day? How am I going to carry on this weakness? Because I've just taken such a hit. Where do we look for hope? Where do I find hope to try and replenish that? Well, the world can't offer a strong hope here. The world can offer some things. It may give some relief for some big hits in life. You know, some people will take a holiday or they'll buy a new car and they'll use that maybe to ease their pain or distract their attention. And nothing wrong with those things. Taking a holiday can be a great thing just to take a bit of a reset and rest at times. But sometimes, depending on the hit you've just taken against your hope, it only serves to be a distraction or a band-aid until that wound bursts open again and you, your bucket full of hope just spills and empties out because it can't actually give you what you need. And what's unfortunate here is this is the reason why some people walk away from their marriages or families or careers because they've been looking for hope in this world to try and actually replenish their strength, but they can't find it. It's not able to actually do that. And sometimes when it gets desperate, real desperate, some people walk, to, uh, walk away from life altogether and they commit suicide because they've lost hope. That is so sad and heartbreaking to see and watch when people are looking for hope in the wrong places and things like that happen. But it's totally different with the gospel. It's totally different with the gospel. The gospel offers a hope-filled reservoir that fills our hearts with strength and enables us, even in the most difficult of days, to keep looking up towards our resurrected Christ. 
Now that strength may look different for us as we look up to that gospel strength. It may look different for all of us. Some days as you cling on to truths like the resurrection, that hope may be just enough for you to survive through the day, depending on what you're facing. But other times that hope will help you to just push forward strongly in life. So everybody's going to approach that in different ways according to the circumstances they're going through. But still, that same hope enables us to move forward at least. What happens in those tough times of life is that our reservoir of hope in our hearts seems to be depleted. Sometimes to the point where we feel overwhelmed by the circumstances we're facing, the whack that we've taken on our hope seems to maybe sometimes get us stuck in life and we feel paralysed. It's been so deep and so dark. It's here and then that we need to come back and replenish this reservoir of hope and also get the help of sometimes getting back to that reservoir as well. Because sometimes if it's a big enough whack or a big enough hit, we can be really knocked off balance and we just need help to look back to where the hope is coming from. This is what Peter is doing right here with these struggling believers at this time. He's building their reservoir of hope again. He's replenishing their hope. He's replenishing their strength. He's trying to change their vision He's trying to help them to get the eyes of their hearts open up and to look to this glorious hope. Peter's bringing them back here to this priceless blessing that God has given us through the resurrection of Jesus. Because, Peter would say, because Jesus has risen from the grave, I too will rise from the grave, he tells his hearers. His death and payment for my sins have been accepted. I don't need to do anything about this except receive it by faith. Peter would say you are united to him in his death and also his resurrection. Peter would say I've got an inheritance that God is keeping for me. He's guarding me for this inheritance. He will get me through. He will work with me to persevere all the way to the end. And then as I think on that inheritance, as I think on that as a reservoir of hope in the resurrection of Christ, my reservoir begins to fill. My hope begins to rise. My hope begins to grow. So that when the next dark day comes along, which they will, I've got something I can draw on. I've got a reservoir of strength that will enable me to get through that dark day. I've got something that I can draw upon to actually gird me and strengthen me through that. Or when Satan comes to condemn and to smother me with his guilt and shame as he's an expert in doing that, I've got a reservoir of strength that I can draw from that will get me through that will strengthen me. This is what we're doing this morning. As we celebrate Easter Sunday, the Resurrection Sunday of Christ, we are filling up that reservoir of hope. We are filling up that reservoir of strength. We think on who Jesus is and what he's done for us. We think about that living hope he's placed there. It's that future expectation but gives us present strength today to go through whatever we are facing. It's a hope that's assured. It's a hope that's been made complete by Christ. It's a confident expectation that I can build my life on regardless of what I face. And this hope is strengthened as we come together this morning. This is an act of God's grace, what we are doing right now. This builds us up. This is the hope he wants us to grow in. This is the hope he wants us to think on to carry us through. It's the hope 
of the resurrection. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that we can come and open up this uh, first chapter in First Peter. God, what a glorious hope. What a glorious hope. There is nothing in the world that can offer what you're offering through here. Lord, we understand and we know that this hope is appropriated. Lord, this, this hope is received through faith. So we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would work in our hearts today. Please open up the eyes of our heart. Not so much the physical eyes, the mental eyes, as it were, initially, to appropriate this living hope by faith. And God, I pray, please let your spirit work that hope into our lives experientially. Not that it stays in the mental faculties of our mind, but something that grips our heart, Lord. So as we face that next challenge, as we face that next hard conversation, as we face whatever that might be that's going to try and take a whack at our hope, we're going to hold on to the resurrection truth that's going to renew and fill our reservoir of hope and keep us strong, Lord. And not only keep us strong, enable us to be joyful. To rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, Lord. God, we pray to let that gospel resonate within our hearts and lives. The truth of the resurrection of Jesus, and may that produce within us a joy, Lord. A joy that will be strong for us. And maybe people may even ask, when we go through such challenging and difficult circumstances, why is it you're able to keep buoyant? Why is it there's even a hint of, of joyfulness about you may be a perfect opportunity to talk about the gospel hope we have, Lord, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, for those who are struggling with that hope today, for those who are really taking a big whack or a big hit, God, I pray, please, help them today just to think and reflect and meditate here on the resurrection of Christ and this living hope that you've now given to us in that. Father, we ask that, we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.